you have your Bible, turn to John chapter 11. Thank you for joining us today. If you're a guest, thank you for coming. If you're watching online, thank you. Thank you so much for joining in. So many people have given us great feedback on our church, our worship, and ministry. And man, you, you haven't even met the best part of our church if you're watching online because the best part of our church are the people that sit out in these pews every week. You don't go to a church because of great pastor and great music team. You go to a church because it has great people. It's because of good pastors and good worship that creates good people. But the real, what, the real ones that are there for you every week, the people right here in these pews. These, these are the relationships we need to have in church. A lot of people go to a church because they like that preacher and they like that music. That's all they've got. But if you really pastor a church right, if you really let the Holy Ghost move, then what's happening on the platform will get out to the pew. And this is where the ministry is. This is where the power's at. This is where the testimonies are. Anybody can have a good pastor and, and pay some people to do some good music. But the test of a church is when you turn the camera around and you see the quality of the people that are being built in, the, in that church. That's when you know a church is a good church. You have to meet the people. And I, I am thankful for good people at Austin First Church because that's really what you miss out on in an online church. You miss out on the good people. You miss out on the view I have right now of all the people worshiping and praying and tears and all those great things. That's what makes this so powerful and beautiful. And so we're glad you're here today. I want to settle some things today in the sunlight. I want to settle some things today while it is daylight, while we have time left on the earth. We need to settle some things and make them very clear and very sure. John chapter 11 and verse 5 is where I want to take you today. John 11 and 5. I've never preached this before till today, till earlier. It's my second time. <laughs> I never preached this before. I didn't preach it the way I wanted to preach it because the Lord was just using so much of this today in a weird way that was blessing and I could feel God speaking a urgent word this first hour and I believe it will continue even to flow over to the second hour. John 11 and 5. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Then after this, he said to his disciples, let's go to Judea again. Everybody say again. We've got to go back there. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, Master, lately the Jews sought to stone you, <laughs> and you want to go there again. Do you understand, Jesus? Aren't you glad when the disciples helped the Master? Do you understand what you're doing, Jesus? You ever, you ever prayed like that? <laughs> Do you understand what you're doing, Jesus? They want to kill you, and you're going to go back there? That doesn't make sense, Jesus. You, it could cost you to go raise Lazarus from the grave. Oh, and it will always cost you to go raise Lazarus from the grave. But is it not worth it? to raise Lazarus from the grave? So Jesus responds and he says, let me, let me give you a, a parable, gentlemen. Are there not 12 hours in the day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble. It's easier in the day because he can see there's a light. You can see what you're doing in the day. But if one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. Lord, help us to receive this word in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name. Jesus. 
You can be seated today. God bless you. Anybody else like having long summer days? Isn't that beautiful? Don't you like getting off of work and still being able to drive home and get out in the yard? I love the time change. I love being able to go in the backyard at 7.30 and cook some frozen patties. Some of y'all starting to come my way. You're starting to come on over to the frozen patty game. You don't even know what you're missing. Juicy burgers. Oh, help us. Help us, Lord. I love getting out there and having daylight to drive somewhere. I love having time in the light. When it gets dark at 5.30 and 6, especially during deer season, it's the saddest moment. Because, man, think about it. If, if we had deer season until 8.20 at night, we could get off work at 5 and still get at the stand and hunt. But no, someone in the government decided to shut down the daylight and it makes me sad every time it changes. I like to have the light because I can feel like I can do a whole lot more. Day and night to me is, is, is predictable. Everybody say predictable. You see, we know how long we will have to work in the day. It's predictable. You see it's going down, the sun's going down, you better hurry and finish your work because it's going to get nighttime soon. It's predictable. We know that darkness will come. It is inevitable. It's going to happen. It's just life. Your hunting trip will end no matter how much you enjoy that hunting trip. You will have to close out and go home. I'm sorry the fishing gets tougher at night. I know some guys like to bass fish at night. I tried it for about five minutes and I didn't catch anything and I went home because I can't even see where I'm throwing my lure. I'm hitting docks and I'm hitting trees and I'm, I'm done. I'm going home. There are so many things that are better in the light. There's just some things you can't do that well at night. You have to take advantage of the daytime. If you're going to mow, please mow during the daytime. Can you, can you help your neighbor like you for a little bit? Because if you bought a mower with lights on it, you probably have no friends. That means you probably get up way too early or you stay up way too late. So you don't need lights on your mower. If you want friends in your neighborhood, just do it during the day and let us sleep, please. Let us sleep. We got to mow at night. It's dangerous to mow at night. You sure want to mow this church property at night. There's no telling what you're going to hit or kill or do. You want to do things during the day. If you're going to work, you want to do it in the light. It's so much easier. Whenever I was doing some work on changing a fan in my house of the day, I couldn't do it at nighttime. Do you know why? When I killed the breaker to the room, I can't see to put the fan up. So I had to do it during the day. During the day, I have all this light and all this opportunity. I have to take advantage of it. So why do we have to take advantage of it? Because we know that eventually darkness will come. Darkness is on the way. It's part of life. You can't pray it away. You can't stop it. You've just got to confess it. I only have so much time to do what I'm going to do because the darkness is coming. Don't get mad. Don't get frustrated. When's the last time you cried when it got dark? It just happens, guys. Darkness is not bad in a sense. It just has to be prepared for. Naturally speaking, God created the daily season of darkness so that we would rest. Everybody say rest. So we would reset. So we get some restoration in our body and our cells. Why? In preparation for the next day. God made 
nighttime. So I, I want to preach to somebody right now. Your dark nights can be setups for the next day. But I won't preach on that. But if I was, I would tell you that while darkness is difficult, it is designed to be a blessing. Darkness was designed as a great balancing power to help you shut down, to remind you that you need to stop every now and then and stop talking, stop working, stop trying, sit down and let your God be your God. Darkness is a season where you can sit back and do nothing because you and I both know that is not the time to walk around during the dark. That is the time to rest. That is the time to pray. That is the time to let God be your God and let your enemies be scattered. That is a time for you to take a break and not have to be that superhuman, powerful person that you have to be all day. That's a season of your life where you can just take a break and rest. Some of you are only alive today only because God gave you night. Some of you would work yourselves into a heart attack if the sun didn't go down. There are some workaholics in this place right now that if it wasn't been for the sun going down, you'd still be out there working at night. And you'd be dead and you'd be in the grave. So God blessed you with the sun going down because that's the only way to get some of y'all to sleep at night is to take away your light. And that's the same way God blesses some of you that won't stop running and won't stop working is you're a workaholic and you're a spiritual overload and every now and then God needs to shut down the lights and put you in a dark space so you can sit down with the Lord and let him restore you, let him change you and listen to me and let you get ready for the next season of your life. Darkness is a transition for the weeping may endure for the night. Guess what's coming in the morning? For joy comes in the morning. Don't you be scared at night because it's just a transition into a new level, a new dimension, a new journey. So sit down and let your God take care of you. I want to encourage somebody right now, if you don't like the dark, enjoy the dark. Because in the dark, you have an excuse to close your eyes and rest. Everybody needs dark seasons to reset, to restore, and to let God show you He has you. He will protect you. Darkness doesn't have to be bad, but it does have to be prepared for. If you're not prepared for the dark, you will get in trouble. Please, can I tell you right now, do not try to go to the bathroom in a strange home in the middle of the night. Because you will break all your toes. Now, my toes are crooked, so I'm going to worry about it. The only toe on me that's not crooked is my big toe. All the other four toes went hiding a long time ago when I came out the womb. They went curved underneath, and so I could climb a tree barefooted, no problem. That's my, everybody's got their flaw. That's my flaw, okay? That's why I wear Crocs, because it takes the attention off my toes. <laughs> See, some of y'all thought I like Crocs. The truth is, I just don't want you seeing my ugly toes. You better watch out. Because I don't know what kind of toys were left in my master bedroom. It's called the master bedroom and I'm a slave. It's called the master bedroom and I'm a slave to my kids' toys. Because I have no clue what that little boy over there left as a booby trap in, in my bedroom floor. So I get up to use the restroom at night and I'm just like, Jesus, help. Oh, Lord, have mercy. You know, I'm stepping on stuff, hitting my toe on stuff. Don't know why whoever invented my bed made a big old square corner on the edge. We will never do that again. 
from now on we're going to buy a bed it's going to be like lifted up in the air on ropes or something you seen them rope beds I can't do that because I'd be, I'm, that might be nice actually, <laughs> swinging at night. But all I know is this, if it's a dark place, you don't know the territory, this is what you look like, like a fool walking around. This is what you look like whenever you're walking around. I'm sorry, cameraman, you're going to have to stay with me today. I had my coffee this morning. All right, this is what you look around. You look crazy. You look crazy. And that's what happens whenever you try to walk, work at nighttime. You make a fool of yourself. You got to be prepared for nighttime. Now, now, I know, I know my house. If the lights go out in my house, I can get to, I can get to the refrigerator. I'm going to get me a sandwich, okay? If the lights go out in my house, I'm going to be just fine. I know, my, I know this church, trust me, for three years, I had to turn the light off back there and get to the door over here. I'm not going to point things at nobody. I don't know who did that. Lord bless you, whoever your decision maker was. It, had, it couldn't have been Bishop. He's too sweet. So it was somebody else, all right? But somebody put the switch right there. And they did it probably laughed. They were like, hey, this is hilarious. Let's put it as far away from the door as possible. So when the lights go out, they're going to hit every pew. <laughs> so, so forever, I have slipped my hand down that left wall. That's why the paint's rubbing off. I have slipped my hand down that left wall trying to find my way out. Because there's like three corners over there. You're going to hit yourself. I know how to walk through the sanctuary now in the dark. Church don't scare me. When you lived in one, you're fine. All right? I, I lived in one before. Some of y'all are scared of the dark. You try living in a church at night and need to go reset, seem to go reset the alarm or do something across the building. That, that will get you prayed through right there. Walking around here in noises. Jesus, I hope that was you, Lord. But whenever you're in the dark and you know it in the light, you can, you can manage the dark if you studied in the daylight. The problem is, is when people don't take advantage of the daytime to get ready for their darkness. And that is really what's happening here in our context. But let me just, let me pause for a moment and tell you that, that even prophecy, we have prophecy all the time, right? We believe in prophecy. Even prophecy screams preparation. Jesus prophesied to Peter. He said, feed my sheep. And this was a symbol of the death that Peter would die one day. He said, Peter, I need you to serve the people of God because you're going to die. And he foretold his death. You need to get out there and work while you can because, Peter, I'm telling you, you won't live a long life. You'll live a short life. You will die. They will kill you. And Jesus prophesied over him his death. Why? Because if you know how much time you have, you know how hard you have to work. So Peter got right to business because to have prophecy is to require preparation. We are the people of the prophetic. Why are we having prophecy? Not to fear, not to fear, not to fear, but to prepare. We are people of prophecy not to go hide and not to be afraid and not to be scared. We are people of prophecy so that we are ready for the end. We have this book called Revelation. This book is not to scare us. Unless you're lost, then it's scary. But see, I'm not afraid of no dragon in Revelation. I'm not afraid of nothing with four heads in Revelation because I'm the one on the horse with Jesus and a sword on my head. You see, that book can scare you or hype you up if you know who you are and know your name is written in the Lamb's book of life and the seal is on you. Then that book does not scare you. That book thrills you. That book excites you. That book makes you say, yes, I can't wait to let the sun go down. I can't wait to see Jesus one day. 
Everybody's like trying to study Revelation right now, figure out what's going to happen. Do we need to start getting a farm? Do we need to go get a farm? Everybody's trying to get a farm. I'm looking for one myself. That's fine. But, but let, me, let me give you some heads up. Look, you can't stop Revelation. You can't stop end times. I want to comfort everybody right now who's scrambling to save up your gold and silver. You can't stop the end. The sun will still go down. I don't care how many turnips you've saved up or, or how many guns you've got prepared to kill folks before you go to heaven. I've come to tell you right now, stop praying against the sun. There is a movement right now of people who are praying against the sun. Don't let it go down. It's going down. And the longer you waste your prayers on prayers like, God, don't let it happen, they're wasting your time, and you could be using those prayers to say, God, save somebody's soul. Get me out there on the mission field. Get me out there at the field. Let me be a preacher. Let me be a teacher. Let me use my gifts for the kingdom. You're wasting your time praying for God to hold the shut up. It will go down. So for anybody who's into all this end-time revelation stuff, please don't spend all your time studying what's about to happen instead of studying what you should be doing. Take one day, read Revelation, and get back in Matthew. Learn how to love. Learn how to serve. Learn how to preach. Learn how to teach. Learn how to work in the gifts of the Spirit. Get the fruit of the Spirit. Because as the sun goes down, we need mighty warriors to rise up. As we, as we enter into the end times, we should not fear or be afraid, but we should rise up and take our place. And we know there are only a few hours left. We've got a great work to do. Don't waste your time watching the sun. Get to work. trying to help somebody right now with all those guns ready to kill folks. <laughs> You're going to wake up one day in heaven and go, whoa, I felt a bullet go through my head. Well, I got 47 of them, Jesus. Lord's like, okay, you're going to hell. <laughs> yeah, no way I can let you in. You just killed 47 people before you died. Look, I'm going to tell you right now, guys, if I'm going to go down, I'm going to go down with like a passing out turnips to people. I'm going to throw, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go down saying, here, here, I'm going to go to heaven serving somebody, okay? I'm going to go to heaven baptizing somebody. I'm going to die and take my last breath trying to tell somebody if you can just repent and be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the Holy Ghost. You got time. Let's go. I'll take you to the river. That's how I want to go down. I don't want to go down in the backwoods somewhere hiding, afraid. I want to go down like the disciples, uh, preaching, running, looking for somebody to save. So can we stop all that? Can we stop all that? Don't worry. I'm going to talk about this, this, this practical stuff too, okay? But the Holy Ghost sent me here to remind us that we have to look ahead and get ready for what we are confident is on the way. I want to break for a minute because I don't want to get too spiritual here because some of y'all are too spiritual. I want to help you be a little practical. Pentecostal folks have a bad rap of being too spiritual. They shout all over the place and can't even and balance a checkbook. Y'all know it's true. You think every time you dance, the Lord's giving you a dollar. 
That sounds kind of bad, doesn't it? <laughs> I probably shouldn't say that. <laughs> you think every time you run around this church, God's just like, don't worry, I'll take care of that checkbook. Here, look, you got more money now. Here, you're good. You're good. Oh, I, you have to be practical too. All right? We, we've had a long time of prophetic. Let's be practical for a while. Let's just take a season and be practical for a while, okay? There are some things that are predictable, like the sun going down every day. You have to plan ahead. Like, here's a revelation I've had recently. I'm getting old-er. Old-er, not old. Some of y'all that are old, you're like, you're not old. I'm old. <laughs> you can't, when you're young, you can't be like, I'm old, because the old people are like, offended. Like, no, trust me, you ain't felt nothing yet. You think, you, you think you're old? You, I was 36 once, and I felt great compared to this. I have learned that all my family, my parents, aunts, uncles have gotten old and wrinkly and they slow now. That's my future. That's your future. Why are we living, why are we living like we're not going to get old? I don't know. Do you understand? I should have started eating healthier years ago. I should have. Because we think we think that it's not going to happen to us. But it happened to them and them and them and almost every awesome preacher I know. They get old. They get sick. Get unhealthy. I want to take a moment and tell you about some predictable things. Okay? We're going to get old. We're going to have health problems if we don't take care of ourselves. Do not blame God for predictable things that you knew it's going to happen to you, prepare for it. You don't need a prophet to, to help you do some things. You don't need a prophet to help you understand you need a retirement. Pastor, I've been in church my whole life, and the Bible says that never righteous forsaken, receive never bread, and some bread. <laughs> I didn't set up no retirement because I thought Jesus would come back 88 reasons, 88. I thought he was going to be coming back. And now it is 2020 and 2020 reasons Jesus to come back to 2020. I don't even know if that book's out there. I'm sure it is, but I, the Lord ain't come back. I'm preparing right now like he's not coming back. I'm preparing physically, right? We're to prepare physically like he's not coming back for a long time. We're to prepare financially like you have to have a retirement. You know what that means? That means whatever you make right now is not what you make. Because one day you won't make any. So you have to take some and get an investment or take some and set it aside. You have to do these things. Because too many people go into the later stages of life and go, God, where are you? And God's going, I provided for you for 50 years, sweetheart. Don't you dare say, where am I? You could have had a retirement. Now, if you're feeling some conviction because you're older and don't have one right now, that's not, I'm not preaching to you. It's too late for you, okay? All right? I'm not preaching to you. Jesus is going to be your grace. You're going to be fine, all right? We, we'll, we'll put you in the backfield in the box somewhere. We'll feed you. You're going to be good, all right? We're going to take care of you. You're going to be fine. Church got your back. We'll cook. We'll have a line just like in the Bible. We'll feed you every day. Don't worry. But for everybody else that has time to sell something or do something, I want to help somebody. You young folks, start early. Do this, okay? Do this. Get you a fixer-upper home. Fix it up. In this Austin market, it will be worth mega money one day. Every one of you right now, 
need to go find a fixer-upper and try to get that project going because there are steals on the market and this area is booming. There's not a better area than right here to get a renovation somewhere and you might have yourself an amazing investment one day. Think ahead. Think ahead. Everybody say predictable. predictable. Everybody say temptation. temptation. You will be tempted one day. Y'all know that when y'all go to, to Luby's. You said, I'm going to get a dessert. And you walk by and there's like 18 of them looking at you. What's up? She's doing dessert. What's your name? Strawberry shortcake? Mm. I think I'll take it. You know, temptation's going to come. This is why the Holy Ghost told Jesus, see, you don't even need notes when you preach it the first time. You just, you just remember it the second time. Isn't that nice? The Holy Ghost told Jesus, yeah, so y'all noticing that. He's like, well, he's not behind his nose today. That's weird. The Holy Ghost said, you need to go fast for 40 days. How come? Because prophetically, he knew there'd be a devil to tempt him at the end. See, now what we do is we wait till we're tempted to go on a fast. It's too late, guys. It's too late. Temptation is predictable. It's going to happen. This is why your pastor said, let's fast every week. Let's fast. Let's pray. Because there are some things you don't have to prophesy over. They are predictable, like the sun that rises and sets. I've come to tell you, you know temptation is coming. It's going to hit you. So prepare right now. Get you a daily habit of fasting and prayer and know the Word of God. Because while Jesus was tempted, he was also challenging the Scriptures. And that's not the time to ask Jesus what it means. You learn the scripture before you're questioned about them. But what do we do? We get questioned and then go study. Jesus studied and then got questioned. Everybody say predictable. So now that we've done our nice earthly wisdom, got that all the way, I'll move on to the spiritual part, okay? Oh, no, I can't miss this part. Oh, this is a good one. I felt something when I did this earlier, okay? I don't say what I felt, but I felt something. <laughs> That's what you say, but you don't want to say the rest. I, just, I felt something. Some of y'all one day going to need a friend. You're going to need a friend. Yeah. Who do you call right now if there's a crisis? Who do you call? Besides me and Jesus. <laughs> I call Jesus. <laughs> I know that. I get it. But who do you call in your life to bail you out? Have you built an investment in somebody? You see, here, here's the deal. We wait till we're in trouble and then we look for a bailout. Why not build those relationships when you're in the daylight? When you're not in trouble. When you're not in financial stress. You see, here's what we do. When the daylight is there, we sleep. And we rest. And we don't try. And the nighttime hits, and you knew it would hit because it hits everybody. And we have no one to run to in times of trouble because we live independent lives on islands instead of joining with a church body and doing more than attending church but actually making friends. And the Bible says if a man wants friends, he shows himself to be friendly. One of the things I, I will never, ever, ever take for granted after this past year of what I have been through with health and problems, I thank God for friends because I would not have made it without supportive people in my life. I have got to make investments into people to make withdrawals from people. 
So I want to tell you today, it's predictable. You will need people in your life one day. Don't have to feel guilty asking if you'll invest right now in somebody else. They will be there for you in tough situations and tough times. So, all that's out of the way. Let's get spiritual. You ready? I want you to notice the sunlight precedes the nighttime. That's for a reason. Because God wants us to work in the day to prepare for the night. Jesus said we work while it's light because we know that darkness is coming. He was referring in that context to sunlight being the time we have left on the earth and nighttime being our death when you can't do anything. That was his specific reference. His disciples, though, were wondering, why in the world would you go back to Judea where they wanted to kill you? And he says, I don't have time to wait for what I'm afraid of. There's a man that is dead, and he needs me to resurrect him. Let me put it to you like this. Jesus, if you go there, you might die. Jesus is saying, if I don't go there, he will stay dead. What is at risk when we don't move into the future through the night, the impending night? What's at risk of us being scared? What's at risk of us staying stagnant? Here's what's at risk. Lazarus will never come forth if we don't come against all the fear of the nighttime. I've come to preach today to every person in this room that we can no longer as a church hide and sit back because we are out of time. I know I've seen the sun rise in this earth and you can feel it right now that the sun is setting on this world. You can see it in the media and in the culture that we are running out of time and the days of safe church are over with. We no longer have time to run from Judea. Because in Judea, it might be risky for me, but it's good for them. In Judea, they need our word. In Judea, they need our life. In Judea, they need resurrection power. In Judea, they're dead. They're dead. And they need to live again. What was the church going to do right now in the end times? We're going to rise up and take our place and go forward into the night because we've got time left. Come to tell you, we've got time, and as long as the sun is in the sky, the church should be on the move. As long as there's still breath in our body and the trumpet has not sounded, you and I should be bold, you and I should be fearless, you and I should be moving forward, stepping into every risk that we have. This word today, I did not realize, is prophetic over us. Because this word today is saying it will cost us, but it will bless them. What I have felt in the Holy Ghost today for this church and every person listening online is that this is the hour to take the safety chains off the church. For too long, we have told people to scale down, scale back, and let the ministry do it. But what happens 
when you run out of time. You put a badge on every sheriff in town. <laughs> what happens when you've got more bad guys than good guys in the western town? You get a man walking around putting little stars on every man with a shovel, pitchfork, and shotgun. Because when you're running out of time, all the rules go out the window. There are people like Lazarus that they are held captive. And we want to sit here and talk Jesus out of stepping into a bad situation when it's going to be life to somebody else. I've come to prophesy today to this church. It's time for you to rise up and march into Judea because we've got people that are starving for the truth, hungry for this word. And I've come to tell you today, you need to be released and loosed to preach in boldness of the Holy Ghost. In the name of Jesus Christ, right now, Jesus. I want you to get your phones and call those backsliders in the name of Jesus Christ. Look at me in my eyes. We are running out of time and we're playing games. If you're not ready for the nighttime, the day is still here and we have hope and they have hope and we're playing games and we're wasting time. Why are you wasting time? We don't have much left. The sun is setting. I know you're scared. I know you're worried because you know Judea is risky for you, but it's good for everybody else. I know the church is scared to be bold when everyone's watching us. I know it's scary to take ourselves online, but this is what has to happen. We have got to get out of our comfort zones, our insecurities, and out of who we've been and step out because the hour is late and the Lord is coming back and this is no time to be careful. This is no time to be cautious. I don't care what your gut says, the Holy Ghost says, we need to go forward in boldness proclaiming the gospel of Jesus, seeing miracles, signs, and wonders if you know somebody not right with Jesus. You can't offend them. They're already dead. The Holy Ghost wants me to tell you right now, listen to me, they're dead already. What are you afraid of hurting? I feel the Holy Ghost. They're dead already. You can't hurt a dead man. You can't hurt a dead man. Why are you afraid to make a move? He's dead already. This world is hurting already. Why are you afraid of the way you'll sound or how you'll say it? They won't care. They're dead. They're dead. They're dead. All they want is to come to life. They don't care how it happens. They don't care who does it, whether it's a pastor or a brand new saint. They just want to live. People are hungry and they're desperate and they want to come out of the grave. And we're sitting back saying it could be dangerous for us. And Jesus is saying, who cares? 
I am the resurrection and the life. You can't kill a Christian anyway. You can't kill me. I'll rise up on the third day. I'll go to Judea. Kill me if you want to, but Lazarus will live. We are stepping into an hour right now in the church. I don't normally work in the gifts of the prophecy, but I am right now. We're stepping to the hour of the church right now where we're going to have to take all the restraints off of people's ministries. And we'll have to take all the collateral damage that comes with it. But it does not matter because if Lazarus comes out of the grave, I will take the collateral damage of what you didn't do perfect. Well, you didn't teach it just like me. Who cares? Teach it anyway. You didn't pray like I prayed. Who cares? Pray anyway. You don't sing like me, dress like me. Who cares? We're running out of time. God's going to break insecurities right now off of people in this place. God's going to break fear off of people in this place right now. You've got daylight. God's given you promise. God's given you the word. God's given you the voice. In the name of Jesus Christ, it does not matter how you do it, but you must do it. You must go. You must fight. You must preach. You must. I must, we must stop looking at how we do this and just start walking by faith. Start walking by faith. Oh, Jesus said, think not what you will say when you go before the kings and magistrates. He said, I will put words in your mouth when you arrive. I will teach you what to say. You can't practice for end time revival. You can only pray and only get ready. If you know anybody that needs Jesus, take every, every chain off of yourself and go after them. Bombard them with, with phone calls. Bombard them with text. You make sure before they go to hell, you fought your way to Judea. You make sure before that person's lost, they felt the love of God. If you've got kids not in church, you go on a fast until something breaks because the sun is going down. When we began our online ministry and we went live, I automatically felt a urge to preach to people who have been hurt and damaged by church. I don't know why, but I felt it strong. And it's the first thing we did when we went online to this community and this world. We began to reach for people that are backslidden, that know better, that have been hurt and damaged. And I've come to say today that we have got to be motivated and move forward because the sun is setting. And Jesus, as our example, says, I don't care what the cost is or what they're going to do to me or say about me. They're lost. They're dead. They need me. I'm going. This is the spirit that has to get a hold of the church. Stop weighing the sacrifice and go. Because they're dead already. Well, Pastor, I'm going to call them and what they're offended. They're dead already. Dead people are offended. Dead people are always angry. Dead people are always sad. Why are you trying to look for them to stop being sad when they're dead? Dead people won't respond the right way until they live. What they need right now is a word. 
They don't need you to understand them or to relate with their death. They need you to go speak to them, to go be with them, to go into their darkness, to go into their cave and be the life and the resurrection that they've never felt before. If I were you and I had somebody that was lost, I would get a spirit of boldness on me. Jesus, help us. I'm going to do a Bible study video training this week, and we're going to start putting out videos on how you can be a personal minister. I'm going to put them online, and you're going to watch them and learn. And every one of you that has the Holy Ghost is going to be commissioned in the end times to do your own baptisms, your own Holy Ghost prayer meetings. You're going to start praying people through in Jesus' name. I'm not going to be there. I'm not going to be there. You're going to stop using ministry as a scapegoat to not answer your call. You're the ministry. Go read Ephesians. The Bible says that the fivefold ministry is to empower the church to do the work of the ministry. It's not biblical if you're not working it. Not biblical. Not biblical. I don't care how old you are, how long you've been preaching this gospel, if you don't let your people work in the ministry, you're going against the Word of God. I stand with the Word of God over tradition any day of the week. Baptize your kids. Pray your kids through the Holy Ghost. Go to their house. Sit down with them. Brother Braniff has been praying for his wife for a long time. She's a backslider, but not anymore. Listen, the other day, she got sick at home. Wasn't feeling good. Brother Braniff, being an apostolic man, said, let's pray right now. I never got a phone call. I was so offended. I just, I, I guess I'm not a great pastor. I guess I'm horrible. Or maybe I'm awesome. It's one or the other. But the fact that he felt the authority <laughs> to pray his wife through back to the Holy Ghost at her home is in time Judea revival. Somebody shout right now. I feel the Holy Ghost. I feel the Holy Ghost. Our homes, our sanctuaries, our pools, our baptismal tanks. Oh, somebody's about to go buy a swimming pool and use it in your backyard because you have a revelation of who you are. Get them to repent. Get them to sit in a bucket of water. Dunk them backwards as they hold their breath, preferably. Say, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of all your sins, pull them up out of the water and pray with them until they speak in an unknown language. You can do it. You can do it. Jesus' name.
speak to us, Jesus. I can barely speak. The Holy Ghost has just moved in this place. It's like a weight on me right now. The Holy Ghost has moved in this place. God is speaking right now. When God speaks, it's more like a push. It's more like a push. It's more than a word. It's deeper than a word that you hear. It's, it's like a push. It's like an unction. Like a, it's like a nudge in a direction you've been scared to go. And I feel that weight pushing on people right now. That fear is being removed. Fear is being pushed away. Work while it is daylight. Work before that trumpet sounds. Work while there's time. Work before the next pandemic. Work. God, you've given us a window to see how ends, the end can come. And God, I have come prophetically to commission people across this church to be loosed in the name of Jesus. I am going, listen to me, until Jesus comes back as, this, as the pastor of this church, I'm going to preach two topics heavily. I'm going to preach submission with all my heart. And I'm going to preach authority. I'm going to preach submission to protect you from the authority. The reason why we've had problem with authority is because we not have, not have had submission. I'm going to preach submission so that when you start baptizing 100 people, it won't go to your head. You won't run off and start your own doctrine and start your own church. Because when we start acting that way, we've lost. We just went and we've just broken up again. Real end time revival does not split us up more. It brings us together. So I'm going to preach submission. And then I'm going to loose you. I preached about it a couple weeks ago. It's all about following. And then God will send you. And I feel that in the Holy Ghost strong for the theme of our church till Jesus comes back. We're going to be submitted people. And you're going to be powerful people. Pastor, are you worried about people in your church becoming great preachers and you're just some average preacher? No, not at all. We need every good preacher we can get our hands on. Are you worried about somebody out there teaching more Bible studies than you? No, that's their job. My job was to make sure they're strong. Their job was to teach Bible studies. Some pastors teach all the Bible studies in their church while 100 people do nothing. That's a bad use of talent right there. Go to management school. They're going to teach you something. You manage the people to teach 100 Bible studies. And you've got now thousands of Bible studies. Yes, thank you, Jesus. I'm done. I just want the Holy Ghost to talk to somebody right now. Mm, 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 mm. By the authority of the name of Jesus, I lift up by the name of Jesus the fear of consequence off people now. I lift up the logic off people that says we can't do this because. When you have no time, there's no reason to think twice. We must go. 
If you are not right now in this service, listening to me online or in this place, right with God, I've come to tell you we are more than ready to help you. Receive the Holy Ghost again right this moment. I'm not afraid of whatever spirit that's been attacking you. I'm not afraid of whatever life you come from. I've come to tell you that we don't have time to play games with your situation. That we are ready right now to pray with such tenacity and authority that you're set free and refilled by the power of the Holy Ghost. If you've got any kind of sensitivity to God right now, you feel it right now, then the Holy Ghost is speaking to you. And in the name of Jesus Christ, you need to stand up and lift your hands to the air and receive the power of God afresh and anew because God has spoken to you. You can hear his voice. You're qualified. If you can feel him, then you're ready right now. If you can feel him, you're ready right now. If you can sense him, you're ready right now. There's a dead man here. There's a dead man here. Lazarus. <laughs> Lazarus, Lazarus, do you hear me? I'm in Judea. I'm not afraid of what you're going through. I'll take the penalty to help you. Lazarus, I'll pay the price to save you. Lazarus, you don't know what this means, but I should be getting killed for this. Your life will cost me mine. <laughs> Woo! Lazarus, who are you? Let the Holy Ghost fill you right now. Come on, like God puts his hand on your head right now. Receive the Holy Ghost right where you're standing, right where you're sitting. You don't have time to wait. You don't have time to leave this service. Lazarus, rise up. Get your bandages off. Woo! Ah. Hey! Hey! God, move. Jesus' name.